Hey everybody, George Robson here, Worship Arts Pastor at Ocean Grove Online Church. Welcome to another one of our podcasts. I want to encourage you to stay with us for this week's scripture reading and message. Who's doing my sound effects? I, when they asked me to preach, they didn't tell me sound effects were available. I mean, Shanna gets sound effects? Come on. Am I up now? I mean, I'm here. Yeah, yeah, okay, all right. I, I'm glad. No charge for the air conditioning today. So, hope you're enjoying it. Did you ever have a friend, or maybe even a relative, who was studying for their citizenship test? I'll tell you what. It, it's embarrassing. I was the chaplain at Jersey Shore Medical Center up the street for about 30 years, and for six or seven of those years, I, when I needed a haircut, I would go across the street to one of the buildings that were catty corner, and, and I, I got my hair cut by George the Russian Barber. And George was an immigrant from Russia, and he had an amazing story. He was an engineer in the Russian army when they tried to defeat the Afghans. And he, t he told me the story that they were ambushed and his whole unit was surrounded. And what he didn't even have a term for it. He didn't even know what to call it. But he said, the, he called it the God power. And he said, the God power spoke to me and told me to go this way. And everybody else in my unit went that way. And they thought I was crazy. But the God power told me to go this way. And he was the only one who survived. George loved being in the United States. He went from being an engineer to being a barber, but he loved the United States. He loved being a capitalist. George was always, he would sit me down in the chair and tell me some scheme, and, and I can't do the Russian accent, but he would say, Reverend, you could sell a million of these. He always had some little thing that he was trying to make money on, and, and he, he never quite understood when I tried to explain to him that you just can't minister to people and then try to sell them something. <laughs> Now, I know it works for some of the TV guys. <laughs> but George never quite got that. that but, but he was so cute. He would say, Reverend, you could sell. You, you, you could, you know, we could make millions. And I was like, George, now nah, I'm, I'm, I'm in this downward mobility thing with Christianity. <laughs> I knew that George loved being in the United States, but I never knew how much until he started studying for his citizenship test. And then I started studying for his citizenship test because when he would sit me in the chair, he would ask me these questions and it was embarrassing that George, my Russian barber, knew more about my country than I did. Citizenship was precious to him. It was important. It was life to him. And he studied and he passed. I thought today, the 4th of July weekend, I would A, wear this shirt, the one day a year I can wear this shirt, all right? And B, it would be important for me to talk about citizenship. And Paul, the apostle, talks about citizenship in today's scripture. Will you take a look at it in your bulletin with me? And let's read it together. 
out loud together. You with me? All right. Usually at my church, it's up on the screen, and I make people read it. So I'm going to make you read it from the bullet. Here we go. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. Read that again. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Is it interesting to you, as it is to me, that, that we're less excited about the return of Jesus 2,020 years after his resurrection than Paul was 20 years after his resurrection? It's 20 years after the resurrection, give or take, and he's excited about Jesus coming back, and we've got 2,000 under our belt plus that, and we're like, yeah, yeah, he's coming back. Okay, all right, all right. what's for lunch? <laughs> I, I love it that Paul was excited and the people were excited about the return of Jesus. So Paul talks to them about citizenship because Philippi is a Roman colony. So Paul's writing to the believers in Philippi, and, and if, you, if you were born in Philippi and you were in the right group, you were automatically a Roman citizen. And so they understood the benefits of being a Roman citizen, the power of being a Roman citizen, the, the prestige of being a Roman citizen. They understood everything that being a Roman citizen could do for you in your stature, in your status. And Paul understood that because he too was a citizen of Rome. But he talks to them about even a more impactful and a more important citizenship when he tells them just so boldly, when Paul tells you something, you say, okay, I believe it, right? And he says, you, we are citizens of heaven. We're not just citizens of the United States or of, or of Rome or of, or of Russia. We are citizens of heaven. And we live in that citizenship, in the, the, the benefits and the, the realities, the responsibilities and the opportunities of being citizens of heaven. But Paul doesn't sweep under the rug the reality that we as citizens of heaven are living here in the messy middle. We're living here in the world. As citizens of there, we live here. And he talks about the, the world around them. And he says, look, the, 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 it's not easy to be a citizen of heaven. It's not easy to be a follower of Jesus. We're in the minority, and, and, and we've got the world out there that he describes as people being driven by their appetites, all different kinds of appetites, all right? Being consumed by those appetites that, 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 that not only do they not have shame, they glory in their shame, and, he, and that their dis destiny is destruction. But when he points all of that out, when he looks at the world out there, he doesn't do so with disdain. He doesn't do it with disgust. He doesn't do it with anger. He does it with tears. 
And, and us minister types, we, we love to run and look what it really says in the Greek. And, and the Greek is even stronger than that. He, it's weeping would be a better term for that. He looks at the state of the world around him and he weeps for it. Why does he do that? Why would Paul, as a citizen of heaven, as a Roman citizen with everything going for him now, look at the, at the messed up world and weep for it? I believe that Paul understood some things. That Paul understood that he was born into Roman citizenship. But his heavenly citizenship, he was born again. To get his heavenly citizenship, he had the new birth. He experienced the new birth of Jesus Christ's love and grace in his heart. And that changed everything for him. It changed the way he looked at everything. It changed the way he understood everything. It changed the way he reacted and responded to everything. Paul knew that this new citizenship required new birth. And Paul, who came from the old covenant, Paul, who grew up and was the, the poster boy, who was the rising star of the world that divided everybody, the world that defined everybody, the world that separated the clean from the dirty, the acceptable from the unacceptable, the welcome from the unwelcome, the accepted from the unaccepted. He came from that world. But when he encountered the risen Christ, that changed everything and he had new eyes. And when Paul looked at the world through the eyes of Jesus, he no longer saw good and bad, right and wrong. He no longer saw the, the, the negative he saw people the same way Jesus did. And Jesus, my sisters and brothers, Jesus only looked at two categories, saved and lost. Say that with me, saved and lost. That's how Jesus sees the world. And when Paul was consumed and, and captured by the love of Jesus, he too saw the world in terms of saved and lost. That's what happened to Paul. And that's why he talks about heavenly citizenship. So what does that look like? What does, what does heavenly citizenship look like for us? Because you know what? We too, we too understand something that Paul understood. I hope we do. The, the most important transformation for Paul is that he realized that he too was once lost. And now he is saved. And sisters and brothers, that's the same for us. Maybe we shouldn't think of ourselves as saved. Maybe we should think of ourselves as those formerly known as lost. You know, the artist formerly known as Prince. We should think of ourselves as those formerly known as lost and currently saved, but formerly lost. Paul understood that he had been there. And through the grace of Christ and the love of Jesus and the sacrifice and the resurrection of Jesus, he was now saved, and that's where we are too. So as citizens of heaven, living here on earth, in, in, in the world that we live in, but citizens of heaven, what does that look like? For you and for me, what does it look like to be a citizen of heaven? 
I think it's not a mystery. Paul, in, his, in the scripture, says to the people, well, just watch us and, and look at what we do and live the way we live. And I believe that Paul and Jesus are calling us to look at Jesus. Let's look at the example of Jesus. Because for Jesus, there was no us and them. Come on, give me a, just a little bit of, I, I ask people for head nods, okay? When I left the last church that I left, they said they were going to get me the perfect gift, a bobblehead doll. Because right? I'm always asking people to give me a little something because... You know, we're Methodists and Presbyterians, and, and if we shouted and said amen, the ceiling might fall in. But maybe a little bit of something back, okay? Amen. But there's, we have a tendency, all of us, to divide the world into us and them. Come on. Dan? Mm -hmm. Us and them, us and them, you know, the us and the them. Now, we have different definitions of the us and the them, but we do the us and them thing. But see, Paul calls us, Christ calls us, our faith calls us to look at the example of Jesus for whom there was no us and them. There was only saved and lost. Say it. Saved and lost. When there's no us and them, there's no need to circle the wagons to keep them out. There's no need to build walls to keep them separate from us. Jesus gave us the example that, that those kinds of distinctions that we use to divide them from us don't matter to Jesus. Right. Male and female didn't matter. Do you remember the disciples? I love the disciples. You know, they, they've gone to 7-Eleven to buy some lunch, and Jesus is at the well, and, and they come back, and they're like, hey, he, he's talking to a woman. A woman. He, 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 he's talking to a woman. Don't you love these guys, huh? I love them because there's hope for me. If he could put up with them, there's, there's some hope for me, you know, as a disciple of Jesus. And Jesus... It doesn't matter to Jesus. Women couldn't be witnesses in court. So who were the first ones to get the news of the greatest news of the, of the, of the, the universe, the resurrection of Jesus? The women. I love the disciples. They're like, oh, I don't believe that. It's the women. <laughs> but not Jesus. There was no us and them for Jesus. Right. Jesus didn't care about clean and dirty. There was nothing dirtier to the Jews than somebody with leprosy. So Jesus heals them. Now, Jesus could heal by just saying the word, right? Can I get a head nod on that one? Yes. But not the leper. He touches them. Do you love it? He touches the leper, and they're like, <gasps> But clean and dirty didn't make any difference. Demons, you know, don't go near anybody with demons. Jesus like, oh, demons, come on. I can take care of that. I can do that. I can take care of that. Come on, my friend, Megan. <laughs> Jesus, nothing too big for him. That's right. Clean and dirty didn't matter. Male and female didn't matter. Political parties didn't matter. There were no red states and blue states. Oh, did I say that out loud? <laughs> for Jesus. I mean, the Pharisees are a, are a political party. They're a religious party, but they're a political party, and they're always trying to trap him. They're always trying to trick him. And so what does he do? He goes to dinner at their house. 
He goes to dinner. He, he went into their home and he ate with them. In Jesus' society, when you ate with somebody, that, that, was, that was big stuff. That, that gave a message. You know? I mean, amen. There, there you go. I, I told you I wanted something back, you know? Maybe barking for all of you is not exactly what I was looking for. So there's... there's the, the us and the them for Jesus. Those distinctions just don't matter. When, when us and them doesn't matter, there's no need to be the us looking down on the them. That's right. I mean, Jesus, Jesus, he, he washed the feet. The feet. I have teenage grandsons. <laughs> when I think of Jesus washing the disciples' feet, I think of their feet. <laughs> I know they're in my house when I don't even see them. <laughs> You're going to tell them I said this, aren't you? <laughs> he washed their feet, and he knew that they were going to betray him. He knew they were going to lie about never knowing him. He knew they were going to desert him when he needed them the most. And he washed their feet. He called Zacchaeus down from the tree, and everybody watching said, oh man, he's gonna give it to him. Such a traitor to our, to our country, stealing from his own people with the Romans. And Jesus says, I'm coming to your house today. Right. Anybody who's been through Bible school or Sunday school says he's coming to your house for tea. You know the song, and nobody knows the song? Zacchaeus, now you come down. I'm coming to your house for tea. No? No? That must have been 80 years ago when I went to Bible school. So. But nobody, nobody was ready for that. Everybody was ready for Jesus to just lay into him. Because Zacchaeus was a them. And Jesus didn't see us and them. Zacchaeus was lost. And Jesus celebrated his being found by coming to his home. There's no us and them for Jesus. When somebody's lost, you don't look down on them, you look for them. Come on. And when someone's lost, what do we not do to save them? Just think about it. We hear nationally when somebody's lost, in the, in the forest, in the middle of Wyoming, we hear about it on the national news because when somebody's lost, we galvanize ourselves, we, we get together, we forget our differences, and we all pitch in to try to find the one who's lost. What if we, as citizens of heaven, as followers of Jesus, had that same attitude, had that same energy, had that same drive and desire, not to see people as them, but to see them as lost? and to have that energy and enthusiasm to go seek them. So what does it mean to be a citizen of heaven here living on earth? Ultimately, it means following the one command of Jesus. Don't you love Jesus? One command. I can do one. I have trouble with ten. <laughs> till I get to that covet thing, you know? I'm pretty good till I get to that. And then a jaguar drives by. <laughs> Look at that. Yeah. Not 613 or however many, there are too many to count and, and all of the, the interpretations of them, just one. 
Jesus makes it just one. He says, love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. There's some question about who Jesus was talking about with the one another, and I hope I can try to help clear that up for you. I know this is the same Jesus who said, love your enemies. Don't you hate that one? Come on. Come on. I applied for a Bible study teacher job at a church once, and, and in the application time when we were interviewing me, I said, well, there's stuff in the Bible. I just wasn't there. And they're like, oh! And I said, that love your enemies thing, I, I hate that one. But that's Jesus. That's the same Jesus who says, love one another, who says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So I want to hope to clear up who Jesus was talking about when he said, love one another as I have loved you. I think love one another is only the people that God sent his son to offer salvation to. <laughs> and love one another is only the people who are made in the image of God. And love one another is only the people that Jesus died for. Everybody else, you, we don't have to love. That, that's all. That, so that, that narrows it down and, and, and defines it for us. So that's who the one another is. But the truly revolutionary part of Jesus' new command, what made it new, was Jesus says, here's how you should love. Here's how we should love as citizens of heaven, as followers of Jesus. We should love as Jesus loved us. So we've already established that that means no us and them only saved and lost. And that love is, is, is giving love because Jesus was a giver. That love is sacrificial love because Jesus sacrificed his very body for us. That love is caring love because Jesus cared about everyone, cared for everyone, felt with everyone. That love is empathetic love because Jesus, his heart went out. His heart broke for those whose hearts were broken. That love is costly love because Jesus paid a price for that love but gained the most ultimate victory of all. You might even call the love of Jesus that he asked us to give to one another all in love. I wish I had made that up. I've heard that somewhere. All in. I've heard that someplace. That's our theme for the summer. Hello, here in Ocean Grove. All in. The love of Jesus is all in love. And the one another is all people everywhere. No us, no them. Only lost and saved. We used to go on mission trips to Panama. Our son and his family were missionaries in Panama, and we went on a number of mission trips. And, and I loved those mission trips, but I loved coming home to the United States, even to Newark Airport. <laughs> and I would go to the line that said, US citizens. And I would go up to the counter, and the guy would stamp my passport. Isn't that great that they still use the old-fashioned stamper thing? He would stamp my passport and look up and call me by name and say two very beautiful words. As citizens of heaven and followers of Jesus, we live here in the now. And the messiness of our now is not much different from the messiness of the now when Paul wrote to the Philippians. We live here in this as followers of Jesus and citizens of heaven. 
But as citizens of heaven, we not only live here in the now to love others as Jesus has loved us, we live in the reality of the not yet. Our hope is in Jesus, and our hope is alive. So as followers of Jesus, we live in the now, but we always live in the not yet. Not the maybe, not the could be, not the might be, the not yet. We know where we're going. We know who's waiting for us. We know what heaven is. We just don't know when. And so, as citizens of heaven, one day, when Christ calls us home, after we've had the glorious opportunity to love as Jesus loves us and live in the now, we'll get in the citizen line. But guess what? There's no citizenship test. Remember the old days before picture IDs? Young kids, don't listen to this. <laughs> Some unscrupulous people would have someone take the test for them and go in with their name and take the test for them. Remember the SATs? Guess what? Jesus took the test for us. There's no citizenship test. Jesus took the test for us. And if there's more than 100%, if there was extra credit, he got it. But your name and my name is on the test. And there's no passport required. Because we're in the citizen line. And Jesus is not going to stamp anything. It's going to give you a big smile. It's going to give you a big hug. And it's going to say, welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome home. We really appreciate you staying with us this time around. Remember, you can always search out other podcasts from OGC by looking up Ocean Grove Church or type in oceangrovechurch.com slash podcast question mark format equals RSS in your player of choice. And if you'd like other ways to stay up to date on all things Ocean Grove Church, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as Ocean Grove Church, on Twitter as OG Church, and don't forget our website, OceanGroveChurch.com. And you can contact us via email at OceanGroveChurch at gmail.com. Until next time, we bid you peace.